Thank you for joining me on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And it feels like every time I interview someone, if I haven't met them before, I'm friends with them at the end. And this person I actually got to meet before we decided to interview. And I went, oh my gosh, I have to interview. She is going to inspire us. She's going to get us motivated. And uh, we're definitely going to learn a few things along the way. Her name is Simone Sloan. Her mantra is voice power confidence. And I think that's so important for every one of us to remember we have a voice, we have power, and we should have some confidence in there. I'm just kind of, you know, making this up as I go, but I'm assuming that's kind of what she's going to talk about. She deals with emotional intelligence, which let's just take some time to reflect on how important that is. <laughs> you can be smart as the Dickens, but if you don't know how to interact with people, you got a problem. And sometimes the problem is you, so you got to look in the mirror. She is a career coach and executive and uh, business coach, but her real passion from what I know is how she helps people understand that tie between business strategy and emotional intelligence, because it's not just enough to get along with people. You actually have to be able to put that into motion to make your own career advance as well as keep your business flying high. So thank you, Simone, for joining me today. I'm so excited to talk to you. Well, thanks very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Um, so I always like to just hit some highlights on your, uh, you know, your bio and then let you take it from there. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your business, and how you help people to shock their potential. Sure. Um, my background is from the pharmaceutical industry and left that about nine years ago to start my company, which is Your Choice Coach. And really, you know, after running my teams and working with people and matrix organizations and all that good stuff, um, really wanted to, I, I, I say coaching kind of found me because it was um, through that journey right, when you're kind of thinking about, well, what's my next act and what do I want to do? Started researching and really doing some of that self-reflection on my own around um, coaching. And that's how I said it kind of found me. But what's interesting, though, is that, you know, I went through a different type of program, which one that wasn't expected was ontological coaching, which is about the study of being and, and how you show up. And it was a really 360 because being in the business world where everything's so transactional and then now having to look at yourself in a different way and, mm -hmm. and talk about things that might trigger you and things that you don't really bring to the surface much and doing that deep reflection, it really challenged me in that way. And it was something that I really embraced and loved. Um, at the beginning, I was like, oh my gosh, um, do I want to be here? But then I was like, I'm here for a reason. And so within that same vein, I'm going to stick it through because I'm stubborn <laughs> in that mm -hmm. sense um, to really go through that. And in doing that really came out on the other end where it propelled me into looking more deeply into the emotional intelligence piece, cultural competencies, how we even define ourselves as, as leaders. And also just in terms of the systems in which we operate in terms of what it allows or doesn't allow. And, um, and so from that perspective, the executive coaching and working with um, the corporate world, but serving them in that different vein, as well as taking that to sauce and putting it through the diversity, equity, and inclusion consulting work that we do um, to, to help motivate and to um, get them moving in the direction that they want to, to move towards. So true. You've brought up so many things as you were talking, you know, that I think the for a lot of people, you know, people either say, hey, you know, I'm really, I'm really open to change. I'm, you know, I'm willing to change and look at myself. Other people are like, I don't like change. Um, but when it comes to, no matter how open to change you may be, 
when it's time to look in the mirror and and really analyze yourself and really you know ask questions especially if maybe you ha didn't have the best interaction or maybe you didn't get a promotion you were expecting or or maybe a business meeting didn't go the way that you wanted it to um, that ability to stop and reflect and really say, okay, I'm going to uncover things. It can be really, really uncomfortable for people. And, you know, helping them to to guide it is one thing. But I, I love the fact that that was one of the first things that you admitted about yourself is that that's tough. You know, from the pharmaceutical world, which is scientifically based and you're dealing with, you know, facts and figures and numbers, and, you know, and statistics. <laughs> It's a little different to open up the cupboard and go, hey, now what's going on in my head? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then also, you know, because in that same vein, you're looking at it from the perspective of how am I being perceived and received in those interactions? And if you're not aware, you can miss the boat. And so where you, you talk about shocking potential and what do I do? And it's really having them sit with that mm. self-reflection, good, bad, or indifferent. And you're going to mm. own it, good, bad, or indifferent, right? And then what are you going to do about it, good, bad, or indifferent? And you get to choose. You get to choose um, and from that perspective. And then when you're looking at it from in, being in service of relationship, and many people have different definitions of what that really means, right? Because it's sort of like, um, yeah, we're, we're buds, we're good friends. But at what level are you and how well do you know your teams? Because if you don't know what they value, what's there with them, why they're here, you don't really are not in relationship with your teams. It's more transactional um, exchange that's taking place. And then really forcing them, as I had to do in terms of really looking at how am I defining my leadership style? What is it and what does it really mean for clients? But really, what is it also how is it showing up in in the spirit of relationship and service of relationship with your teams and people that you're interacting with and forcing them to kind of look at their being and really looking at how in how they serve others if they choose to look at it from that frame of work and you talk about change everyone says yeah we want change sure <laughs> but, <laughs> but then you ask who wants to change and that's where it gets like oh you mean I have to do it too? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I want things to change. I don't want to change. I, I want other things and other people to change. I don't want to change. <laughs> yeah, so that's like when you, and you notice that, that, you know, that, that when they start embracing it, then that's when you see um, a lot of the momentum and the energy shift in that, in our relationship in terms of how we progress from that perspective. Yeah. You know, you talked about, you know, understanding as a leader, understanding what your team values and what's important to them and in the WIFMs, you know, what it's what's in it for them, um, you know, and I think that is that is something that we often overlook as leaders because we're driving towards an end result. You know, you're try, trying to achieve whatever your business objectives are. And it's easy to forget that in order to achieve your business results, you have people that must make that happen. And, you know, late the last couple of days, I've been doing uh, some of my little morning motivation videos on understanding your internal versus external customers. And, you know, who, who do you need to engage with and why do you need to engage with them? And, you know, what does it say about you and what do they say about you when you're not in the room? And it's I think it's really important. I always challenge people to say, you know, or to understand that, you know, when you work for a company, you you need to align yourself to make that company successful. And the 
all those steps are really, really important because if you want to succeed and, you know, climb the ladder or have tenure or whatever, it's important that you are speaking the language of hitting, helping that company achieve its objectives. But on the flip Absolutely. side, I love what you're saying is reminding ourselves as leaders that until we, you know, also understand what motivates our people and what their value systems are, we can't always get the most out of them. We can't always get them to align to our vision because we may be missing how we're talking with them or how we're interacting with them. And so then that becomes a gap in an organization. Absolutely. And I think it's the one thing that is missed often because, um, and you know, speaking to a lot of different industries, people, it's time. And the way in which they look at the time and from the scarcity of it, because we have things to do. But in actuality, that thing to do is the people piece that must be incorporated and prioritized as part of that process. And that's where it gets a lot stepped on and over because it's like, oh, well, I saw them at the water cooler. I saw them online and, and, and that was it. But what type of conversation were you really having them think through um, those interactions and think about how would you start shifting those conversations and maybe that 30 minutes gets extended to an hour as opposed to you know keeping it and trying to cram everything in because then you're not really hearing you're more just talking yeah so true I I was thinking also when you were talking about um, my very first kind of corporate job actually was with a nonprofit but you know I think of this as kind of my big entrance into the business world and when I was hired, and actually they did this before I was hired. Um, so, you know, HR laws today would not allow for this, but um, when it was down to me and somebody else or before they made the offer, they had me do a personality assessment, assessment basically. So a personalysis was that one. And it's basically kind of your disc, but mm -hmm. it gives, you know, a, a, a visual graphical representation of are you blue, red, yellow, or green? And um, it was mm -hmm. funny because at that time I had like, you know, I was like all red, <laughs> like all red and, and all yellow. <laughs> like I had no blue, this is all details, like nothing, like a dot of blue. But, uh, but later, um, you know, I saw how we used these in our very small organization. Cause when I started there, there were like uh, only seven full-time employees. And then, you know, while I was there, we grew into like, more than double that. Um, but I saw how we interacted with it and how we used it. And, you know, so it was always in people's offices. So you could see, you know, even when you walked in, it was a reminder mm -hmm. of who this person mm -hmm. is. And, um, and I heard story uh, about a year ago um, from a guy who works for a really large uh, dealership in the Midwest. And the owner of the company uses the same thing. But what he would do is had, had everybody's name tags had their their personalysis Ooh. on it so that when he would walk up to meet them and interact with them, he could see, you know, of his thousand employees where they, where they were, you know, where did they live in their headspace? And just right. in that, I mean, it's just one little, it's just one little thing, but I've been so impressed by that, you know, just as such a great reminder to us all that we're all unique beings. Right. Right. We all tick because of different things. We all Absolutely. have backgrounds full of good, bad, and ugly. But at the end of the day, trying to remember to treat each other like human beings and the unique human beings that we are, I think Absolutely. can go so far to help us be better leaders, as well as make our teams feel more right. recognized and appreciated. 
I love that story because I think I think we should all wear something that kind of helps to give people an indicator as to you know who we are as a reminder, right? But you know I think also what happens is that we get into the, our comfort areas of how we operate, and we all of a sudden that gets you disappears because it's just part of the norm and you don't really see it as much as we should. But having that that's where the slowing down comes in and that pausing piece comes in to really get to understand okay. Who am I in front of? What am I saying? How should I be saying it, right? Because you want to be able to connect um, with that other person because you want to make sure that they understand where you are headspace. You understand where they are headspace. Otherwise, they're breakdowns. And if things don't get cleaned up in that moment or get aligned in that moment, people get attached and it festers, right? And that's where you get that um, engagement, disengagement piece going on. You, what happened? Or maybe you don't really wonder because you don't really notice it. <laughs> yes, because you really don't have any EQ. <laughs> You've got blinders on. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It'll work itself out. <laughs> well, I find that when I'm talking with people who do coaching like you do, that, you know, with your clients, they tend to have a couple different you know, challenges that are, you know, kind of common between them. And so, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, what do you see? What are some of the biggest challenges they face and how do you help them to overcome them? Uh, you know, I'm so glad you asked that question because I think that um, a lot of us, right, I, I work with a lot of the toxic rock stars and I call them that because I love them dearly. They're my type A's and they're killing it in terms of performance, in terms of their technical abilities, all those things that are make the company grow and continue to grow. And what happens is that they hit a certain point where they may not get as far as they want to go and they somehow don't know why, right? And um, it could be from a communication standpoint, it could be just in terms of how they're showing up. It could be just in terms of how they are um, their collaboration or lack of, right? And they're not even aware of it. And so with that, but the company, what's nice is that the company sees the value and wants to invest in them to grow because they understand that potential. And they want to continue that, that journey with them and help them to develop even further. And so really working with them from that perspective is where it could be, I give them an assessment around EQI, have them rate themselves. And while they're rating themselves, I'm also talking to their colleagues, top, bottom, sideways, all over, just to get a perspective. And when we have that data in front of them, it is more, oh, I didn't realize. Oh, why didn't anyone tell me? And so, mm -hmm. but you're not creating a safe environment for people to share or even to show up or even want to work with you. And mm -hmm. so when you're walking into a room and you don't realize people's arms are crossed, eyes are rolled, that's a signal, but you're not aware because you're so into your own world, right? Mm -hmm. You haven't stepped out of yourself to, to see what other people are experiencing with you. So I give them that, that opportunity to do that and build some milestones and road steps along that process, process and journey um, to allow them to have more self-reflection, allow them to start really thinking about, well, what is my leadership style like and what do I want it to become, right? And start asking them those other questions that people don't necessarily have an opportunity to ask. Do you, do you have success with that? Because as you were talking, I know probably everyone listening knows somebody like that. They all know a toxic rock star. And it's somebody who oftentimes people feel like they're untouchable because they do deliver results for a company. And that can be really demeaning or demeaning deep. I, well, demeaning too, but I guess uh, 
I'm trying to think of, you know, when you're disappointed, you know, from an outside perspective going, okay, why is this person continuing to get accolades and, and support and leadership positions when they are toxic to other people? Um, so I can see number one, you know, how do you help the, those colleagues open up and feel comfortable sharing? Some of them might be very comfortable sharing. And then how, how do you get that person to really say, okay, this is not what I expected because the one person I have in mind, you could do all this for, and they would go, that's BS. I'm perfect. (laughs) And you're right. But guess what? (laughs) Across the, around the organization, people are now talking about it and have gone to their senior leadership teams and have gone to HR. So it's no longer... It's everybody's problem and, and I'm okay, right? Because once people start, if people start saying the same things, guess what? <laughs> it's you, it's you yep. Um, yep. from that perspective. And yeah, in the beginning, it's sort of like, but I don't have a cookie cutter approach. I don't come in and go here, step one through 10, go to it. Really <laughs> understanding where they, meeting them where they are at their gradient. And it is all types of gradients that I'm experiencing, right? And working with them from that perspective. But I think once they start seeing the data, that's when they're like, because they have to sit with it and go, whoa. Because I, and I don't sugarcoat it. I'm, I, I come out very raw and let them know, here's what it is. They don't know who's saying what, but right. I'm letting it out. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent, whatever it is, this is it. I give them a week to sit through it and say, okay, now, now what do you want to do about this? You get to choose, right? Mm-hmm. You get to choose. And if they want, and then they start questioning, well, does a company like me? Do they want, I said, they are mm-hmm. spending and investing in you because it is, this is what they see and they want change. And they're not looking for a one-time, a performance thing for you. They're looking right. at it from a sustainability because they understand you're human. <laughs> Things happen. It's a roller coaster and it's a learning journey um, from that perspective. So really getting them to understand the why around it. And if they're open to it. And if they're not, I say, listen, this is where it is. But I, I go back and I let people know this is what it is. And if you're not willing to do this, I'm not wasting my time because yeah. I have other things to do, right? And you shouldn't be wasting that. <laughs> yeah. And I want to have successful outcomes. So get on board or don't. <laughs> I fired some clients that way before in my past. I'm like, eh, no, if you're not going to do it, you're going to take my reputation down. Forget it. We're done. <laughs> Absolutely. We're about change. I'm about change. Yeah. And well, you have to it, be open-minded to want it. And you know, you're absolutely right. And I was thinking about a story um, that I've told several times and it was with a, a leader of mine and I was in pharmaceutical sales and I was really, um, I was really good at what I was doing. Um, but I was very uh, not confident in myself when my manager would come to ride along with me. And it was interesting. There was this really interesting dichotomy because, you know, I'm a pretty confident person. My sales numbers were fantastic. But every time he would come and ride with me, it was like I started getting anxious and I wasn't sleeping. And, you know, it was like all this panic. And Des, he was, it was like everything was wrong that I did. I could not do anything right. And we got done with a, a field ride one day. And I'm thinking, I've got him at the airport. I'm like, I know your airplane is leaving in 40 minutes. Get out of my car. I'm done with you, you know. <laughs> and 
and he's he and he wants to go through all the things I've done wrong. So he goes through all the things that I'm about in tears. And he he said to me, Oh, by the way, you know, because of our drug that went off patent, we're not giving any raises. There's, you know, raise freeze this year. And I'm like, Yeah, I know, I understand. And he goes, But I was allowed to, to choose two people to give a raise, and you're one of them. And I'm like, Oh, uh, uh, what? <laughs> what? How'd that happen? <laughs> what? And he goes, yeah, you totally deserve it. And so I am just, I've started laughing almost hysterically. He's like, Michael, are you okay? And I said, and I, I hate to say this out loud because this could, the words I'm going to use might offend someone, but I'm going to say it in any way. This is exactly what I said to him. I said, I feel like I am an abused spouse. And he was like, mm. What? And I said, I feel like you beat me and tell me you love me. And then you beat me and tell me you love me. And I said, oh I, can't, I can't take it anymore. I mean, that was how I felt. It was so visceral. And I'm not trying to downplay anyone who has been abused as a spouse or otherwise, because I, I have been fortunate never to experience that. But that's what it felt like. Mm. And I'll tell you what, that was so, I couldn't even believe the words came out of my mouth because I was so, I was like, what did you just say? And he looked at me, he goes, I had no idea. Mm. He goes, I am so sorry. He goes, I'm hard on you because I know you can take it. Mm. And I went, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I need some love also, right? Yeah. But you know what, too? He, they have, or he, she, they might have been taking an approach that their manager took with them because that's yeah. the experience that they had. And they don't know any better. And the yeah. person was promoted based on those behaviors. So he's thinking, okay, that's what we do. And we perpetuate and self-perpetuate and continue that cycle until someone says, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. I don't like this. And if you don't talk up or speak up, you're gonna con it's going to continue on that cycle. And he changed. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. changed not only for me, he actually went to our entire district in a district meeting and said, it's come to my attention that I'm not very motivating when I come to do ride-alongs. And I want to explain why I've done this, but I also want to change. So I want people to feel free to, mm, to speak mm, up. I want mm. to have dialogue. I want feedback. And I'll tell you, the whole team was like, what happened? And I'm like, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I love what you said, though, because you said, I want to tell you why. And most people, they never go there and explain the why. And people are like, is it me? And they take it personally, but there's a yeah. why behind it, right? And, yeah. I, and that was awesome that he opened up, or he, she, they he opened up and said, hey, I'm changing and I want some feedback around it because most people don't, they cringe feedback. Oh my yeah. gosh, I have to hear that. Well, and I knew he cringed when I told him too, you know, because you could just see it like, what? Like, I just gave you a raise. What are you, what are you upset about? <laughs> <laughs> Money and run. I know. <laughs> the money run. I know. But it, you bring up but such no, a really good you point. Great courage, it did. It took a lot of, I, well, I don't know if it took a lot of courage. I just at the moment, I was so shocked, you know, that I was like, I finally broke free of, you know, what had been holding me back. And from that point on, I was like, okay, I'm all in now. I, you know, I totally get you. I respect you. You've listened to me. Now we've got mm -hmm. some place to go. And our relationship was better than ever. And we always had a great other relationship that suffered during those darn ride-alongs. And, you know, as you're talking and you're talking about helping people to pull back that curtain and understand the why and deal with the hurt or, you know, maybe the 
embarrassment or the shame for how they are perceived because of how they've acted, you know, people that make those changes are the ones that are some the most incredible leaders late, later because, boy, they they have really Absolutely. opened themselves up to grow and grow at a fast pace. Absolutely. And I love what you said because one of the things that it's not just about the professional life, but when they tell me, Simone, you've impacted my my personal, the dynamics with how I interact with my family, right? Because that's a ripple effect that I want to get, right? It's not just about one aspect. It's, it's a totality of what, what you're doing and that fine balance to really take a step back. And I love when they say, oh, I was practicing X, Y, and Z with my partner. They kept wondering why I kept doing this. But that I because I say, oh, you need to start building that muscle, flexing that muscle. <laughs> and yeah. so that way it becomes natural wherever you are, not just this thing that I do at work. Yes. So, yeah, and, I love it. and yeah, we can't help uh, but to have our personal or professional you know, merge along. And it's funny because when I was writing my first book, Tell Me More, which is all about practicing listening more than telling. And um, at one point in time, and I had the book almost done and I'm talking to my son, you know, who at that time I think was like 21 or something. And he's going on and on and I'm telling him all the things he needs to do. Honey, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. And my husband holds up this big sign, you know, in front of me that says, tell me more. And I went, oh, wow. I went, honey, I understand that you are frustrated with your job situation. Tell me more about that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Because we can get practice what I preach. <laughs> prescribing motion in terms of, you know, we know you're not listening. You're just tell, going, going by your experiences, your lens, what you think you should do is it because of a status thing going on, parent, mm-hmm. child, you know, I know I've lived. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets crazy. But, oh. um, but that's why I say, that's why I like to use the pause piece, right? Just take a deep breath and yeah. I just count slowly from 10 to one. Mm-hmm. And I go, all right, so what, what's happening in your world? Right? Yes. I get out of my space. I'm just kind of now I'm entering your world. Tell me. I Tell love me. it. Simone, um, I think that a lot of what we learn and what we do and how we teach is based on the things that we have learned ourselves. So when you look at your career and your evolution as a person in a profession, in a professional, what's, what's the most important lesson that you ever learned professionally that really helped you to shock your potential? Mm. I will say that um, for me, um, when I learned how to share more of myself with others and authentically, where it wasn't putting up these blocks, you know, like, oh my gosh, I'm being guarded. I have to be a certain way because um, I'm a professional and this is what I do and, you know, the expectations. But when I kind of relaxed and just showed more of me, that's where all the fun happened because that's where all the connections in different ways took place and people weren't able to see me, hear me, and understand me. And so I think from that perspective, that's. That's one of my key takeaways. I love it, and it's it's a real testament. Yeah, <laughs> share more of me. Yeah, and it's a real testament to that line between personal and professional, that they are merged. They are a little murky. Yeah, and it's not like you have to go deep, deep, and tell all my deep, dark secrets. It's the little things that you think people know about you that they really don't. And mm-hmm. the more consistently and authentically that you, you know. It's not all about you also, but really engaging that other person too, 
that's where all the magic happens from those, the, the time, the consistency, and just showing up in, in service of relationship. Uh, trying to, uh, you know, keep my team, because, you know, my entire team is, is a remote team out of yeah. Kenya. And, you know, so we have these weekly meetings. And, and so I try to remember to do something fun when we kick it off. So one time I asked everybody to share their most embarrassing childhood secret or story, you know, and we were all laughing so hard we could barely have the meeting because we were just, you know, just the antics of, you know, <laughs> children. And, and uh, then the next time I asked everybody to share what their favorite recipe was, either to mm. cook or to eat. And so, you know, we hear stories of family and, you know, stories of kind of tradition. And it was really, really moving to me to just go, wow, that's, you know, I would have never thought to ask something like that of people before. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times in my other career, I didn't have enough time. I didn't think. And now I look back and go, you know what, you do have time for some of those things, especially if it helps people feel more centered and that they can be more authentic right. to themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I find sometimes too, when you ask those questions in the professional setting, it's all about performance. Oh, what am I going to say? And they start thinking about, rather than listening to people, they start thinking about what they're going to get to say and how they're going to get caught up with that. So I just I said, relax. We're in a safe environment here. I don't care. You, you can say anything you want, right? Mm -hmm. Good, better, and different. You're, there's no judgments and assumptions. Let's just let it go. Right. Yeah. So I'll let me start off with like a ball exercise if, when we were in person, at least to kind of show, you know, just silliness of throwing and catching a ball and seeing what happens in that moment and kind of have to talk about that and then get people more loose to be free and not feel like this constraint around uh, performance. I love it. Yes. Well, and I think, again, so this kind of goes to my next question, which is, you know, really about finding those pieces of yourself. Um, I, I think that all the things that we learn, you know, are pieces of us that are really important. So I'd love to ask people, if you could go back at any point in time and talk to the younger Simone, and tell her anything that would have either shocked her potential farther or faster or kept her on the same path, at what time of life would you go back to Simone and what would you tell her? I remember a time I was in Jamaica in school and um, I, I, I'm a, I laugh at everything. And I won't say I laugh at everything, but I just love to laugh. And I remember the teacher, um, it was a private school at that time, and she came over and said, stop laughing, nothing, nothing so funny. And I, and so, so I, you know, Which would make I, me laugh. I and so I, I think for myself, I would, I would still say, regardless of however people perceive it, always continue to find something to laugh about because you can't take yourself so seriously all the time and you have to have fun and life's just mm -hmm. too short. So I think from that experience, when I think back in this kindergarten, and I just remember her coming over to me and pointing, that's not funny. You need to stop laughing. <laughs> Up in kindergarten, goodness gracious, that was a strict school. It was, it was very. Um, so I remember that moment, and I just said, you know what, I'm going to continue to laugh because <laughs> that's don't stop laughing, enjoy, don't, don't take yourself so seriously all the time. Amen. I agree so much. And that's, you know, people sometimes are like, why is your hair? I mean, I'm currently pink. I this is a big change from the blue. People are like, yes, what? I was just and I actually had somebody comment on line on something that I did as like, what are you a child? It was after I did a, a media interview. What are you a child? And I'm like, yes. Mm. <laughs> Have fun. Yes. Absolutely. I am a child and I'm happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I step into it, I lean into it, and that's what makes it fun. <laughs> and I'm also professional, and I'm also smart. So there you go. But if you want to ask Absolutely. me, I'm a child. Yes, I will take that on. Oh. Well, goodness, Simone, we could talk for hours, as we know, because we have uh, made a practice of that. But uh, we'll have all your information on our show notes. But just in case anybody wants to type in right now and find you, what's the best way for them to find you? Go into LinkedIn at Simone Sloan, and you can search me there, or my website, yourchoicecoach.com. Excellent. So before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? In spirit of emotional intelligence, I will say, I love this quote from Maya Angelou, because she says, people do not remember what you said or do, but they will remember how you make them feel. So that's one of my favorites. Ah, so true. I love that quote as well. And I absolutely agree. Simona, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for being my guest. Thank you so much for having me. It was lots of fun. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.